we're going to read a few more Proverbs from uh, different cultures over different periods of time, starting with this old Hungarian saying, love is a dark pit. <laughs> and I found that one one week too late. I'm like, that would have been perfect for the Valentine's Day, right? Leading up to it, love is a dark pit. I don't know, man, uh, people were not doing well love-wise and hungry during that time. There's a Szechuana saying, everybody loves fat. We have a similar saying in our house instead it's just everybody loves bacon, but I think it's getting to the same point. There is a Scottish saying from long ago, do not tell your foe when your foot sleeps. <laughs> no, you know, it's annoying when your foot is asleep, but I guess if you're about to enter into battle, that would be a really inopportune time. So don't give your foe any advantage. That's how I would interpret that. There is another old Croatian saying, even beech leaves are good when they are fried in butter. So, again, I've never had beech leaves, but if I had to, probably fried and butter would be the way to go. And an old Jamaican saying, the squeaking shoe is not pleasant to hear. And that is also something we all know to be true. These are good. These are good sayings. They're helpful. They're hilarious. Their sometimes meaning is a little bit lost to us. But the practical nature of the Proverbs is something that really strikes me, and this week is going to be no different just how when we come to this book, we have a very significant understanding of, of how we need to live, how we need to act, what we ought to be striving for, and the things that we ought to avoid. And so my hope is that as we continue to look at and take a survey of this book, that this practical nature would be something that you have picked up on as well. This morning, we're going to talk about integrity, something Proverbs refers to repeatedly. Not only are we going to talk about integrity, but we need to recognize, and I'll show you the same thing that stuck out to me when I was doing my study. There is a pattern in how Proverbs talks about this subject, on how it refers to integrity. So we're going to go through, and I'm going to read these verses for you. Don't even try to follow along, because we're going to go pretty quick hitting here. I'll have them up on the screen behind me. See if you can pick up on the pattern. Proverbs 2.7 says, He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. Proverbs 10.9, Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but he who makes his ways crooked will be found out. Later in Proverbs 19.1, Better is a poor person who walks in his integrity than one who is crooked in speech and is a fool. Proverbs 27, The righteous who walks in his integrity, blessed are his children after him. And then in Proverbs 28.6, it says, Better is a poor man who walks in his integrity than a rich man who is crooked in his ways. And lastly, in verse 18 of that same chapter, Whoever walks in integrity will be delivered, but he who is crooked in his ways will suddenly fall. So, what is the pattern? What comes with integrity for the writers of Proverbs? What action? Pick it up, each and every one. Someone's got to say it. Walking. That's it. Walking. Walks or walking was each and every one of those instances. Now, there are a few others. I, I did pick and choose very carefully and intentionally, but hopefully that was enough burden of proof to know that walking is essential. And so what does this tell us? I, I think when we see something repeated that often, it, it's like a, a big flashing red light. Pay attention to me. So we need to pay attention to this connection between having integrity and walking. And to summarize, Proverbs doesn't necessarily say to have integrity. Instead, it says we need to walk in integrity. 
So we can define integrity like this. Integrity is not a thing to be had, not a, not a noun, not an object. It is instead a way of life. Not a thing to be had, but a way of life. Because walking is all about action. It's all about doing. It's all about living. It, it talks about our faith and our life journey. We know that, that walking is important, and we're all walking through life, and we are all walking in this faith journey with God. And Proverbs, again, uses lots of walking-related images in addition to talking about walking in integrity. Even the follow, um, following imagery is, is about this journey. So we talk about walking on a straight path or a crooked path, or we talk about walking upright or causing yourself to stumble and to fall down, depending if you are walking in this integrity or if you are walking in selfish, evil ways. All of this to say that this life is wild, and we are all going on a journey. It is full of ups and downs. It is full of temptations to the left and to the right. So how do we continue on that narrow path? How do we not stray? How do we ensure that we don't trip and fall? The answer, according to Proverbs, is that integrity needs to be a constant companion by your side. You walk with. You walk in integrity. It is an action. It is a way of life, not just something that you have or you don't have. So this need for action becomes obvious, and it is not the, uh, the first time that we've acknowledged this in Proverbs. Last week, we talked about being a good neighbor, but I really didn't want to talk about just being a good neighbor. I, I instead wanted to talk about neighboring, to make it an action, to make it intentional and purposeful because that's the, the message that we get from this book. And it needs to make a difference in how we live and what we do. And, in, and, and indeed, we're talking about this being integrity, but a better title for this sermon would be walking in integrity to once again highlight the importance of action. Proverbs is concerned with what is lived out and integrity is no different. In fact, it might be the most obvious example of this focus on action. And so we are all walking, and we are all walking through life, and we are all walking on this faith journey, no matter who you are, no matter where you've been, no matter what you believe right now, you are still walking, and walking is important. But, but walking in itself is not the big picture, it's only part of it, it's how we walk that's important. What does it look like to walk in integrity? We can all walk, how do we do it? So uh, my, my family and I are still trying to ta train our puppy Zoe how to walk well. She loves to go for a walk. This is one of the things that make her, makes her as, as happy as anything else in the entire world is where you can take her for a walk. But she has terrible walk etiquette. So for the most part, she's going to try to run up as fast as she can. And she's always going ahead and pulling on the leash and, and tiring your arm out. But then she's going to find something that she wants to stay and sniff at for a while. So then she'll lag behind and then you're pulling her like this. So, and then it ends up being an alternating pattern up and back and back and forth. And then in the fall, oh, if there was a blowing leaf across the road, you better watch out. She was after that thing like a shot, left, right, forward, back. Walking that dog is exhausting and she's only this big. And we were trying to teach her not just to walk. She gets that part. She loves that part. We're trying to teach her to walk well. And that's exactly what Proverbs is trying to guide us. We are on this journey, right? But we want to stay on the narrow path. We want to make sure that we keep our feet. We want to make sure we don't stray to the left or to the right. And integrity is a crucial aspect of how that's done. So if we are to walk in integrity, if that's the way in which we are to walk, it is important for us to have a scriptural understanding of what integrity is. 
like so many other words that we'll throw around, especially in the church, we can use them often, and we can each talk about integrity and mean something different. We can define it in different ways, and we can have different levels of importance that we place on something like integrity. But what does the Bible say? And I'm going to ask you to nerd out with me just a little bit, because when we want a biblical definition, the original languages can certainly help. And so when we look at what Proverbs says, it's written in, in Hebrew, and the Hebrew um, root for integrity in Proverbs is the word tom. It's actually spelled T-O-M, tom, but I have to train myself not to say tom. So they're not, right, not the right way to say it. It's tom. It's tom. And what does tom mean? How would you think this language would define integrity? It means this, completeness, fullness, perfection, innocence, or integrity. It doesn't define integrity as just doing the right thing all the time. It doesn't define integrity just by resisting the evil thing to do. It defines integrity as being completed, as being filled, as being perfected. The core of the word is to be filled up, to be made complete. And this is where I started to get excited because there is a corresponding word in the Greek language that we see uh, in the New Testament. And the Greek word for perfection is telos, and it means the exact same thing. Telos means to be perfect, not by being, uh, not by being without any mark or blemish. It means to be perfected, to be completed, to be filled up. Like we are a vessel, and then we are filled to overflowing with something. So that is integrity, and that is perfection. That is what we see, this pattern in the Old Testament and the New. To be made perfect, to have integrity, is to be completed or filled up. And what are we being completed with? What is filling us up? I think one of the answers, is, um, the main answer lies in 1 John chapter 4, verses 12 to 17. And again, using this connection between the root of tome of integrity and telos for for the being completed in Greek. We read this in 1 John 4, picking up in verse 12. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected, completed, fulfilled in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. So whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. That's the gospel. Amen. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected, completed, filled with us. So what are we being completed by? What are we being perfected by? How do we have integrity? We have integrity when we have the abiding, filling, overflowing love of Christ in our life. It is the abiding love of Jesus Christ that is filling us up. And so if we want to have any shot at living this life of integrity that Proverbs wants, it begins and ends with a relationship with Jesus. Again, just as wisdom comes from God and He is the source and we do not achieve it, the same thing is true of integrity. We can't leave here and just try harder to do the right thing. We can't leave here and just try harder to resist temptation. We need to leave here motivated to dig into our relationship with Jesus. And if you haven't trusted Him to abide in you with His perfect love, then that is the perfect starting point for integrity and for hope and for life and for love, 
It begins and ends with that relationship with Jesus. And if you are a longtime follower of Christ and you are wanting to, to, to be better at living consistently in integrity and not finding yourself going to the left or to the right or always falling to the ground, then dig deeper into your love relationship with Christ. It is the overflow of this love of Christ that shows up as integrity. I would define it this way. Integrity is the ability and desire to do the right and moral thing in all situations out of the overflow of Christ's love in your life. It's not the ability to do the right thing out of your own discipline. Not your ability to do the right thing because you're afraid of getting found out. It's the ability to do the right thing always because Jesus is filling and completing you with his love. This is how we have to go about it. It's the way that the Bible wants us to go about it. But there are some good ways to test and see if your life shows biblical integrity. Again, this is action-oriented, and we see how much of it is God's action as He allows us to have this relationship with Him through Christ, how He is the one completing and filling us, but then how He also calls us to go and live a certain way. So what is the evidence of integrity? What's the evidence of us being filled to the brim with the love of Christ? Well, here are some um, questions. Here's my test, just a very practical test that I would give to you as a pastor. Three questions that I want you to ask yourself. Does my life show integrity? Question one, do I act consistently when no one else is around? Are you the same person in thought and action and deed when you are around people in public or when no one is watching in private and in secret? Make no mistake, it is often those secret places in which that is our battleground for integrity. When no one is watching and none will be the wiser, do we still live consistently and do the right thing? For any of you who have or are struggling with pornography, the, 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 the darkness of, of, of the secret act is, is one of the things that keeps uh, uh, all of us in this idea of, of, of bondage. And this is where the, the battleground is. To live with integrity is, is to be the same. But sometimes you can't do that until you take what's happened in the dark and you drag it out into the light. And there is transforming power in being able to, in a safe space, share what is not full of integrity in your life so that you can finally have victory over it. But what happens in secret? Is it the same as what happens when you are around others? Are you acting consistently? That's the first question. Question number two, do I act consistently when I am with different groups of people? Because it's easy to act one way when you're with a certain crowd and then to act completely different with another. And we all live life in different arenas with family and with friends and with coworkers and at church. It's a challenge and it's a temptation sometimes to maybe act a bit differently and not always with integrity depending on who you're around. And my heart goes out to students because I think when you're in, in the hallways of school, uh, middle school and high school, there is an inherent temptation. You go to, to, go, to go to youth on Friday night and you know you're in a, a Christian group and you're at church and you can, you can say and do the right things that you know will please people there. And what happens when you're hanging out with different friends on Monday? What happens when the people you're around don't believe the same things that you do? What happens when they don't have the same definition of, of integrity as you do? Do you act the same or do you act different? That can be a sign of integrity, whether at school or work or in any other setting. And the third and final question of this test, does my life show integrity? Do I act consistently when I have something to lose? It's all fun and games to say the right thing, 
to do the right thing, to avoid temptation when we believe it will benefit us. But one of the truest tests of integrity is standing firm in what we believe is right and wrong based on this overflow of Christ's love in our life, even when it's about to cost us something, even when it's about to cost us everything. It could be a friendship, a relationship with a family member, might even be your job. Are you willing to do the right thing, to walk in integrity, to walk being filled up with the love of Christ, even when it takes something valuable away from you? So those are the questions you can ask. Do I act the same in secret as I do in public? Do I act the same consistently when different groups of people? And, and do I act with integrity even when I have something to lose? That is my test for you. According to John, he gives a different test. It is our love for others that shows and gives evidence that we are being completed by the love of Christ. See, if we trust in Christ and confess him as the Son of God, he abides in us and his love abides in us, and that has to, it must overflow and extend to others. And if there is a lack of love in our life, then it might show very well a lack of being completed in this love, which would also be a lack of integrity. And according to Proverbs, the test that we see in this book is that there are blessings and promises that come along with walking in integrity that show and are evidence that we are on the right path. There are certain outcomes of integrity that we can expect as believers and those who are seeking to walk in this way. So now is a great time to circle back to some of the Proverbs that we went through very quickly earlier and take a closer look. Most of these Proverbs use a device that's important, and I'm going to give you the, the fancy version of it and explain it. This device is called antithetic parallelism. <laughs> what does it mean? Antithetic means the antithesis, means the opposite. So the opposite in parallel, close together. So that one would be um, when, we, when we had a, um, it talks about the, the, sorry, those who walk in integrity walk upright, but those who do not walk in integrity will fall down. That's just my paraphrase. But that's an example of the opposite being in parallel. So what happens to the upright or what happens to those with integrity is different and is contrasted with those who do not. Other uh, Proverbs will just pronounce a blessing, but the promise is consistent. And this is the promise. Walking with integrity, being consistently filled with the love of Christ as you journey in this life will be the worthwhile path to take. So whether we can say these promises are one for one, we always want to avoid doing that to Proverbs. We don't want to make this a vending machine type of transaction. I have integrity, therefore I am obligated or do and deserve this. No, what it's trying to say is that there will always be options to choose integrity and to choose not integrity. And it will always work to your benefit, always to your spiritual eternal benefit to choose integrity. But what other things? There are blessings in this life that we can expect to walk in integrity. What are they? Well, first, we can know this, that walking with integrity offers guidance. I'll go to Proverbs 11, verse 3, to see this connection. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the crookedness of the treacherous destroys them. See, that's easy. That's antithetic parallelism. Now you guys know a fancy word. It is integrity itself that is the guide. That's one of the things I love about this promise. God doesn't say, if you have integrity, I will guide you. He says, when you have integrity, it will guide you. You'll know what to do. You'll know what is right and wrong. You'll know which path is the right one to take because you are living this way of life connected in relationship to me. You will know the right thing to do 
the situation when you are being filled with the love of Christ. And I can't sit here and I can't tell you all the different ways, all the different types of situations that you may find yourself in. That's not going to be possible for me. I can't anticipate all the things that you're facing now in which you need some discernment or you're a bit unsure of what might be the right thing or the wrong thing to do. But the beauty of it is this. When you are diving deeper into your relationship with Jesus, then these things become more clear. Your integrity will be your guide. And as we see others who go about life without that relationship, we can see how everything will get hazy and murky. Because when integrity or the right thing to do becomes whatever you define the right thing as in any situation, it becomes completely subjective. So how are you supposed to know? How are you supposed to know what's right or wrong when right or wrong change all the time? It is integrity itself. It's that relationship with Jesus itself that can guide us to know what is right and wrong. So lean into him, lean into Christ, and things will become clearer. We also know from Proverbs that walking with integrity offers security, to be made secure, to be looked after, to be safe in a way. Proverbs 10.9 explains this. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but he who makes his ways crooked will be found out. Now, just like the previous proverb that we learned from, it is integrity itself that provides this security. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely. Why? Why is it integrity that does this? Because if you walk in integrity, you don't have anything to worry about getting found out. You don't have to worry about looking over your shoulder because you have done things the right way. You have walked consistently and securely connected to your Savior. It is only those who fall down and who are crooked that are worried about being found out. Those who live with integrity have nothing to hide. And not the same, not true for those who lack it. Now, not all of us are going to be completely perfect. (laughs) We'll all have some things that we wish other people wouldn't know about. But consistently living in integrity will in itself provide us with the security that we need. That if someone comes up and, and, and has a false allegation against us that can't stick because people say no, that just isn't consistent with how I see this person living. This is not consistent with the type of person I know this to be. But of course, a lack of integrity will always have a way of finding people out. We saw an example of this over the past week or two as the mayor of Toronto, John Tory, had to come forward and admit that he had an affair with a staffer during COVID. And now he's going to resign as mayor, or at least he says he's going to resign as mayor. Has he done that yet? He still hadn't done it when I checked last, but there's this idea that he, he had what he wanted. He, this is a very prime position to have, and, and he didn't have security in it, not because of what anyone else did, but because he lacked integrity. Walking integrity in integrity gives you this security. And lastly, I would say that walking with integrity offers deliverance. Proverbs 28, 18 says, Whoever walks in integrity will be delivered, but he who is crooked in his ways will suddenly fall. Sometimes, despite our best efforts, we will mess up and we will fall, and we will be in a situation in which we need grace and mercy, forgiveness and deliverance. And sometimes, even as we walk connected to this abiding and filling love in Christ and do everything according to the integrity that he defines it, there will still come a time in which other things, other forces at play that are stronger than us, that are not of our own making, will will require us to, to need a Savior, to need someone to deliver us, to need God to intervene in a very significant and real way. And while this might look different, this is a promise that can be 
But you don't have to take my word for it. I appreciate coming up here and sharing a lot of the stories of what God is doing in my life and some of the, the things that have happened to me that, that show me uh, different analogies or illustrations of what God is doing, but I know you have your stories too. And I want to call up Alvin Barkman. Uh, Alvin's going to share with you. You knew I was going to ask you to do this, right, Alvin? Not a surprise? He looks surprised. Alvin has walked through something uh, in this case in which uh, integrity mattered and in which I believe God showed this promise of, of, of deliverance to be true. So Alvin, you can come up. For those of you who are going to uh, joining us on live stream, we're going to cut away for a few minutes. If you want to hear all the details of Alvin's story, you'll have to talk to him on your own. I'll just invite the music team to come forward. We're going to sing our, our final song uh, in response here. We know that the, uh, these Proverbs work. We know that there is blessings to be found in walking in integrity and pitfalls to avoid by not doing so. And once again, we know that integrity is the work of God and not our own discipline. It requires us to be filled completely by the love of Christ. It is His work. And our cooperation and focus must be on our relationship with Him more than just trying to be disciplined all the time. So what can you do right in response to this? What can you do this afternoon? I'd encourage you to find a time and a space to be alone with God, to meditate on His Word, to experience His love, to do these things to be filled more and more completely with the love of Christ. And when you can do this, you will receive the blessings of integrity in God's guidance, his security, and his deliverance. As we can say, for our word to the wise, when you walk through life with Jesus, you walk with integrity. Now let's stand and sing together. Mm-hmm.